Hello everyone and welcome to the Early Stages podcast by APX. My name is Soren and on this podcast we guide you through everything you need to know about starting and building a successful new company. APX is a startup investor with more than 150 early stage startups in its portfolio and on each episode we talk to founders and experts from our network to dive into one specific topic that can help you on your startup journey. Today we talk about the risk of starting your own company and how to best deal with it. Let's get started. Starting a new business can be a very risky thing to do. At least that's the common perception. But is it really true? Success is never guaranteed and decisions such as quitting your day job and facing a period of time with an income that's different from what you might be used to is not easy. But how risky is it actually to start a new business and how can you as an aspiring founder assess this risk so you can make the right decisions for you? To discuss this, I'm joined today by two guests. We have the founders of Kodio Impact with us today, Tillman Kemper and Sonja Radovic. Welcome both of you. Thank you very much for having us, Aaron. Good to be here. And today we'll hear about your journey and risk perception and how it changed for you, having both of you previously been working in what some would call more risk-averse industries, um, to getting to know the venture and startup ecosystem when you both worked here at APX as my colleague, actually, before you later started Code you Impact last year. Could you first tell us a little bit more about your, your journey to, to where you are now? Maybe I can kick it off and then let Tillman take over. So my journey was, I would say, a journey of de-risking or increasing the risk appetite because I started as um, an attorney at law in a big law firm, very corporate environment, and had a very safe, stressful, but safe job and then moved into venture capital, still quite safe and quite interesting, but learning about what the other side is doing and understanding actually the risk profiles of uh, startups, and then decided to leap into a startup. So I would say just my risk appetite <laughs> got increased throughout the time um, since the beginning of my career. So that's approximately how we came to this point. I also started rather risk averse. Um, I studied economics, then did a bunch of internships at corporates, at a consultancy, and eventually found my way into the startup ecosystem. And then over time really discovered my passion in working with entrepreneurs and by now becoming an entrepreneur myself. And then last year you started Codio Impact. Sonia, could you quickly first explain to us what is Codio Impact? So last year, approximately around this time, we started actually Codio Impact. And Codio Impact helps companies collect, centralize and understand their environmental, social and governance data. Let's get into your way of assessing the risk so that we can get your personal experience on it first and then later we can broaden it out. We can make it very practical for aspiring founders out there trying to understand what are the risks that you need to know of when you're thinking about starting a company. Tillman, you mentioned that just now that you both work with APX and also for uh, an additional investor previously. And I think it's, it's safe to say you've talked to and helped a lot of startups uh, also before taking the leap yourself uh, while being able to, to see a few things. Can you tell us a little bit about What have you learned from this experience of working with other founders when it comes to, to risk and assessing the risk of starting a company? So first things first, I think both Sonia and I, having worked with more than 80 startup teams before is a huge privilege because we actually got to observe a lot. 
We got to speak with founders. We got to see what works, what doesn't work. Uh, we got to strategize. We got to, unfortunately, experience mistakes or let's call them fails. But we also saw funding rounds happening, commercial traction happening, a team growing. And all of that, I think, are factors that we memorized, internalized, and try to revisit whenever we are coming to a new decision now, should we go the left or the right path? And in working with founders, I believe you also get to understand how they think, how they arrived at the point where they are then specifically. And you get to this level of oftentimes very personal decisions. So Ultimately, I think, CERN, you already mentioned it, it is a personal decision to quit your job, to start your own company, and no one else can do it for you or should do it for you. Let's put it this way. And in working with companies, I believe, at least for me, over time, I not only became more interested in doing something myself, in really pursuing a problem that I think is worth solving, but I also lost the fear in doing so because there's only so, so much you can fall. By now, I would actually argue there's very little of a fall that you can truly take, but maybe we can talk about the details in a bit. Maybe I can just add one more thing that I think we, we've observed and that we discussed a lot in the beginning, and that is the strength of the founding teams and how this connection or the, the constellation of this team actually helps you undertake the risk. So if you have great people by your side or uh, or a great person to start this journey with, it's just so much simpler to actually undertake the risk and say, okay, I'm going to jump off of this cliff and see, uh, is it a cliff or a hillside or whatever, or is the, you know, a trampoline, wherever it leads you. Before we also get into more of these things that you have learned that we can say, these are definitely things making it easier or better to to take these risks or minimizing the risks because you have the right people around you. When talking about these risks that you need to consider, what else is there to, to consider? So I think quitting your job is a risk, yes, but it also depends on how you secure yourself for this risk. So that kind of goes into two directions. First of all, We knew that if we quit our jobs, there is a certain time spent without a salary. And how can you live through that without actually taking care of your primary needs? I mean, this is something that everyone should kind of factor for and understand how they can push through this period, because that is simply necessary. And then on the other side is understanding the value and potential in what you're building. So how we actually made this decision is at the point when we already started doing some research, speaking to some people, understanding that there is a market need, there is funding for the problem, there is momentum for the problem. So we felt, or at least I felt more ready At the point when I had these two things taken care of or checked out, saying, okay, I can live for a certain period of time, even if there's absolutely no income coming. Plus, what I'm doing and what I'm building, I really believe in. And it's not just me believing in it, but actually people who I asked to challenge this believed in it. So yes, I mean, there is still a huge pile of risk coming, but... These are the two things I could influence and I could secure, and I checked both of them. And then let's try and see where it takes us. Oftentimes people think about quitting your job as a goal. I don't think it's a goal, it's just a step in between. 
because almost literally everyone can just quit their job if they wanted to without huge efforts. Of course, there are huge repercussions. But for us, really, the decision to take the next step in terms of committing ourselves to what we now call Codeo Impact by quitting our past job was a qualified decision. So we already started speaking to experts. We drafted our first tiny little pitch deck, which I would probably never share again, just because I don't want the world to see what it is. Um, but still, I mean, we, we took a bunch of preparatory steps before in getting to the point of quitting a job at which time this idea of let's take the next step already felt smaller than it just sounds going from zero to I need to quit today to start acting tomorrow. I think it's more of a fluid progress. And if you take away this goal of quitting and just make it something that is a milestone, let's call it maybe, then it also doesn't mean the end. It's just, okay, you're progressing. You're getting to the next stage. And by having quit, maybe moving on to the next issue, which already was partly touched upon, which is financial security, we could also start planning for potentially getting unemployment money, even if it is only for a couple of months. But we have paid into social contributions and securities. And even if it's just one or two months, it gives you a certain sense of security, stability, etc. It also allows you to look into maybe public grants or what we got this Berlin startup stipend. So there are different measures of just taking steps that don't result into this ultimate goal of now we have founded something, but rather just feeling more secure in what you're doing. What we did is that we looked into different state and domestic funding programs. Given that we are in Berlin, we looked into Berlin-Brandenburg, uh, where the IBB, for example, um, the Investitionsbank Berlin-Brandenburg, but also different university programs offer incubation grants. So even before product, even before your company is even incorporated, and oftentimes it's even a precondition that you're not founded yet, that they assess your business plan and then cover your living expenses. So for the Berlin startup stipend, for example, it's 2,000 euros per founder per month. This is a personal stipend. It's not a company stipend. And this is something that I would recommend every founder or prospective founder to do, is look into their regional funding or grant landscape, because oftentimes it's also a good signal towards later investors or VCs, because it's non-dilutive. So you're not giving up any company shares as of that point. And you just get to a point where you as a company, where you as a founding team are more ready to get to the next stage, to hire people, to grow your product, etc. And um, that is how in January this year we started receiving a stipend, which truly, I would argue, gave us some kind of momentum in becoming faster and progressing faster. Maybe one thing that I think we, we got and we realized the importance of it along the way is the different networks. So when we started getting the Berlin startup stipend, we got into the networks of Humboldt University, uh, Freie Universität Berlin, the other universities which are part of this network. And you got to speak to people which are not either typical founders or they're not typical entrepreneurs or they're just young and want to do something. So they saw something, they want to solve a certain problem and they went with this stipend and created a network of multiple years of different people in this program in different stages helping and supporting each other on the next step. So even if you didn't go with VC funding, they would have some kind of next step or a suggestion for these types of companies. So I think these networks, also the APX network that we are benefiting extremely from, is 
such an important push and such an important pool of experience that uh, you get to utilize throughout the time. I think these programs are also a perfect opportunity to just test something, right? I think oftentimes if you think about this idea, oh, I found a company and then I'm going to be stuck for 10 years, whether it works or it doesn't. There's also the Exist stipend, for example, that covers certain more research-driven incorporation ideas or funding ideas. And if it doesn't work after six or 12 months, you tried it. And that's a huge learning experience, even, I would argue, a huge success. It also, by the way, for your next employer, it makes a great story that you dared to undergo this. And after 12 months, even without spending a lot of your personal savings, you came to the realization, maybe not for myself, Maybe not for this idea, maybe not for this problem. And um, I think that's also a big benefit of these programs, just to not get stuck, because I think that is also something that people are afraid of. Right, because like, I was actually about to ask you before when you both touched upon like realizing you'll need to live for a period of time with a, with a, a different salary. If, if you had modeled that out or if you had talked about like for how long can we, can we do this like personally uh, to, make, to make this happen? I think uh, as a lawyer, for example, I've been taught to look at the worst case scenarios always. So it's always, I mean, people will laugh, but this is what you've always been perceiving, theoretical or not, but it's always the worst case scenario. And then the more you observe the people, and I think this is where this working with other startups and, or working with more or speaking to people who already undergone have undergone this path, helps you actually assess this risk and not making it worst case scenario being total end of your life, something backfires and you never go back on track and this is absolutely end of your life. The moment you start speaking to people like us at this point, I think I'm now the biggest promoter of just go with it, try it and see how it goes. Speaking with these people helps you understand what is the actual risk. I get that that you're obviously able to talk, especially from your own experience, but also from the founders that you have met before in your in your life and and now. I, I do want to maybe bring up a question and see if you you dare to, to speak to too, though that goes a little bit beyond that because you both used I think the word privileged at some point, like having a lot of this these connections, this this know how um, from the from the beginning, also being in a place of your life where. Maybe there are not commitments that could come later. If you were to speak for those who are thinking, okay, I'm now, perhaps I'm in my 40s, I have a big loan, I have kids, I have like, just so that we are also not making it sound as if, yes, you can just like put a positive spin on it and there's money out there. What would you say to those people who are thinking, wow, there are so many, so many risks connected to this. I don't even know where to start. I would argue find allies and people you trust and then come to a decision for yourself. So I would probably not have founded Codio Impact, co-founded Codio Impact without Sonia. And if you are in your 40s, you have people you trust, you might actually also have a different financial situation than you do in your mid to end 20s. It changes some factors, yes, but ultimately the decision comes back down to can I or Am I willing to take on this journey that can't be planned for? And if the answer is no, I think that's fair. And I would also argue if you already struggle with the idea of what's to come and you don't feel comfortable, you are pressuring yourself into something that you will probably dislike. So without putting too many flowers around this now, 
of course, there are ups and downs and there are long nights and uh, there are situations where you get disappointed and that will happen. And if you are fundamentally unhappy, if you're potentially even, I don't want to say hurting yourself, but if your mental health is suffering, then it might not be the best setup. And not everyone needs to become a founder. That is also fine. What I would though say in terms of encouragement, I think statistically people in their 40s, because they are more experienced, they are better at assessing risks, they are better experts, are the best entrepreneurs out there. So in a way, you're just coming from a different perspective. You have certain advantages and disadvantages. And then again, you need to boil it down to, can I personally afford it with my own conscience? Just because you're in your early 20s or late 20s for that matter, doesn't mean that you are necessarily necessarily in a better position risk-wise than when you're when you're a bit older. I think the, the previous experience that we had, because the moment when we jumped into this, I was 30. So I had already eight, nine years of professional experience. And I think that helped me so much to actually assess the risk, but to also, because startups are such a super fast paced environment and you are asked and required to actually make decisions rather quickly uh, without having significant amount of time, advisors and whatnot to actually think about it. So you have to rely on some past experience. If it Even if it wasn't the past experience in the actual area, you have to rely and trust your instincts. And I think these instincts actually even grow with the knowledge. So I think Tillman at one point mentioned that we made a qualified decision or qualified assessment. And this is where the qualification comes from. So I think people even later in life deciding to jump into creating something new. And we've had a few amazing uh, founders in their 40s and 50s, if I remember correctly. They already have some kind of a system of assessment of risk, but also making decisions or listening to their gut, which is a bit more qualified than if you just start completely fresh. I mean, there's plus and uh, minuses on both ends. But I strongly believe that my previous experience actually helped a lot with managing the company, managing my time, managing our team or understanding what what do we do now and what's our next step. I mean, my question is obviously coming from 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 knowing that like the majority of new companies that are started are started by founders who are in their 20s. And my theory would be that when you are a bit older, depending on your personal situation, you deem the risks to be bigger or maybe the timing is just not so great because you know it comes with some consequences, but at least you're worse. And both of you here have, have added some sort of some motivation and some has softened up uh, potential, potential risk around this. Say you decide to then make the leap, you take the risk and you find out that your risk assessment uh, was not so great after all. Uh, and, uh, and the lack of money and the time makes you totally overwhelmed and panicky after having just started this, this new business. What can you share from the learnings from your own experiences and, and your, your founder network? What is a good piece of advice when you, are, when you are at that stage? If I could start and maybe by starting to add one additional idea to the previous question of what happens if you're really young or not really young, but younger or older outside the typical founding profile, you also don't need to become a founder. You could also join a very early stage company, which is basically entrepreneurship in itself. And you might be getting a good salary on the side. And if you feel confident, you might even pursue your own idea afterwards. So I think there are also ways to be entrepreneurial, to pursue your purpose without having to go all or nothing, right? So I think there's a middle ground and not to be entirely forgotten. 
And I think now coming to your point on our experience again in understanding timing and understanding should I continue or not, I think there's an art in getting the timing to start, but there's also an art in quitting. So in a way, Sonia and I, in a certain frequency, we talk about what have we learned, should we continue? And I mean, so far, luckily, we always said, this is awesome, let's continue, right? But if after 18 or 24 months, we realize there's no pull from the market, or we, we realize that no one wants to work for us, or we realize that we personally can't stand our financial situation, then I think there's also very good reason to discontinue, to either start something new or find a different job that might fulfill you. So in terms of experience, and I think this we also um, experienced in the APX portfolio, in our previous positions, it's just as worthwhile to quit at the right time as it is to start at the right time. And the, the quitting itself is not a loss, it's a learning. I may just add one thing to that. I think, and I agree with Tillman on this, we do have our regular check-ins on how is this going. I mean, so far there was no... Uh, hard talks, but that doesn't mean they're not going to happen in the future. But the thing is, I think it's not only perception of the risk, but it's also perception of the success. So when I was young, I thought the best law firm in this world, that's my place. And that's the only place I want to work for because, you know, people walk on water and that's where I exactly want to be. But then the more you go into working and understanding what is it that makes you happy? What is it that's your perception of success? And now I'm very comfortable saying this little startup of uh, seven to 10 people is my absolute joy and brings me so much positive energy. And we are constantly coming from a position of, you know, you're not coming from a big firm. You have to explain what you're doing. Whoever, uh, whomever you say, where do you work? You have to actually say, what does this company do? It's not like, you know, coming from big four and everyone instantly knows but it's still, you're explaining what you're building. You're, there's a certain aura of happiness around it. And as long as that lasts, you're really at the right place. And your perception is aligned with your personal state of happiness. That makes a lot of sense, Sonia. May I ask you how Sonia 10 years ago would have answered this? Or in other words, how has your idea of, of risk uh, changed over the last uh, years? I think that would be interesting to know. I mean, no, needless to say that 10 years ago, I would never jump into making a startup. 100% not. Because that was not what you're taught. And that was not also what you were prepared for. You were prepared for something else, especially in these traditional industries. You are prepared to be an advisor to a business, um, not to run the business. And I think more and more this changes and more and more actually schools are bringing this entrepreneurship. And that's why we have so many young entrepreneurs, which is amazing. But back in the days, and especially traditional knowledges such as law, are not preparing you for this. So I think this path has been the path of increasing the risk um, appetite by understanding what do other people do. Tillman, I'd love to hear from you as well. How, how has your idea of risk changed? So I think uh, Sonia actually nailed it by saying you're not being taught what to do, how to do, or even why to do it, right? You're also not being taught about the upsides or the downsides of pursuing your own company other than these great stories of you can become rich or you're a failure to society, right? There, it's kind of black or white, but there's no middle ground. And your question of how has my perception of risk changed, I think is right in between of 
there are nuances, right? There is a middle ground to risk. It, it's not only win or fail. It's you try, you progress, you learn, and ideally you succeed. And in between, you probably fail a hundred times. But then the hundred and first time, whether it's with the same company, your second or a third or your next employer, there's something that for you makes sense, that makes you happy. Again, as Sonia said. And I think my perception of risk overall has just changed by how I define risk rather than how high the risk is to found your own company. That's interesting, Tillman. And I would kind of want to check back in with you and with you again, Sonia, in a year or five to 10 years and see then how your assessment of risk has uh, has changed also going through the journey that you are right now with uh, Code Impact. But I think with your last points here, we're at a good place to to end uh, this topic today. So I want to I want to thank you both for, for being with us today and, and sharing your insights for aspiring founders listening to this podcast. So thank you, Tillman and Sonia from Codio Impact. Thank you very much, Soren. Thank you, sir. That's all for today. If you have feedback or topic ideas, send me an email at cern at apx.vc or comment on the episode on social media where we are at APX Berlin. The Early Stages is a podcast by APX produced by WakeWord. Thanks to you for listening. My name is Soren Nielsen and I will be back in two weeks time. We will end, as always, with a voice message we've received from one startup in the APX portfolio whom we've asked to share one thing they wish they would have known before they started their company. Here's what they said. Hi there, I'm Julian from Ostris, a data analytics company that analyzes the workforce and every data point within a CV. One thing I'd wish I'd known before I started my own company is how much regulatory things come at you.